0: Let's open the book of John. I'm going to be down here on the ground today because, you know, social distancing. Um, Doing the opposite of that, but book of John. um, We are, uh, I will say this, that the text for today is not completely, uh, it's not really... uh, as unrelated to what we're facing and what we've been singing about and everything as you might would think. So in some ways it might feel like we're shifting gears or we're jumping to another lane, but we really aren't. Um, during the season of Lent, which, uh, like I said earlier, is still in effect, so uh, keep fasting and praying and uh, reading through John and um, practicing all the disciplines of confession and repentance and all the things that this season is about. Uh, It's weird to think that we might not be able to meet together during what is the most important season of the church calendar. You know, that's weird to think about. uh, A very high possibility that Easter Sunday will be spent gathered in some different format. Um, And so that's just that's really strange. But uh, it is a reminder that we are the church in any form. And we don't have to be together in order to be the people of God. Um, And even though we would much prefer to be able to gather regularly, if we can't, uh, God is still guiding us and still with us. And so uh, as we go through the rest of the next few weeks, if we move to... Uh, maybe a live stream, some sort of broadcast type thing, maybe Facebook Live or something like that, we'll continue to look at the I Am statements of Jesus. And so today we get to uh, one that is, it's really back to back with the next one. Um, They're kind of all scrunched up in there. And so uh, there are these places in the book of John where Jesus uh, has these really uh, beautiful metaphors for uh, explaining his identity and who he is. And uh, we looked at where he says, I'm the bread of life. Last week we looked at, he says, I'm the light of the world. And then today we get to to a chapter where he uses a lot of uh, sheep shepherd type things uh, to kind of put it all together. And so just um, to give a little like running start into it, in chapter nine, Jesus, he heals a man who was born, uh, who was born blind and uh, he heals him, the man goes and begins to just tell everyone uh why he can see and so it would have been a known thing that hey this this guy has been blind from birth and now he has sight how did that happen and he starts saying this man named jesus uh healed me basically and uh the pharisees who were kind of the religious authority group at the time they don't like that very much uh, for a bunch of reasons and so they give him a hard time about it and uh, the guy's like look I don't I, re- I can't really get involved in your like theological debate here's all I know is that I used to be blind and now I can see that make a great song lyric somewhere right so um, I, I once was blind now I see that's my testimony I don't really know what to make of it other than that and so the Pharisees get super worked up they go they find Jesus and they're like hey man what's the deal and he's like well actually uh, you guys are the blind ones And that goes over really well. And then he just transitions right into chapter 10, still talking to them. And so he's really addressing the Pharisees here. Um, Start looking at verse one. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. Okay, i stop right there. So how do you go from telling the Pharisees that they're actually the blind ones and then he like jumps into this sheep thing? You know, it doesn't really seem to make a lot of sense. Um, and Jesus, uh, one thing we know about him is that he doesn't really care if he's making a lot of sense. You know, like he's like, he just does his thing. And uh, now this is one of the times when he like kind of regroups a little bit. Um, and it's very tempting to go through something that has so much, uh, to make, try to make it an allegory and try to like assign uh, like find the different characters and be like, hey, who's the gatekeeper? Who's this? Who are the sheep? Who's the shepherd? What is the pen? You know, try to like make it into this big thing, and it's always best in the Bible to like to let Jesus be the one to do that, um, since it's His story in the first place, and so He's going to do a little bit of that in just a moment. But the the real thing to grab onto is the is the imagery that he's using. He he's uh, the master at painting word pictures. And so um when he talks about the sheepfold, one of the things about shepherding culture is that sometimes they would they would take their their herd and they would they would drive them out and they would spend days or weeks on the countryside grazing and doing different things just away from home. But then there's also a time when they would come back to the home of the the owner. And so uh, usually, at, like adjacent to the home of, of the owner of the sheep, or it might be the shepherd, it may not, may not be the shepherd, it depends They would just build a walled-in pen just like you, just like you think, but instead of a fence, it was made of stones, and it would have one, one entrance way, and it would have a, a door on it, but that word also means "gate, and so we're, we're probably more prone to think of a gate that's closing the pen, Jesus says door." fine same word um and so it has just one entrance and then just a wall all the way around it and so that was that was home for the sheep and so they would go out during the days and they would go graze and do all their things and then they would come back home and they would funnel all into this pen into this stone walled uh, deal and then either the shepherd would stand guard or they would hire a gatekeeper um sometimes to give the shepherd a break but there was someone who was standing at the gate to make sure that, no, that nobody came and stole the sheep or that none the predators would jump over the walls or anything like that. And so there was someone that was standing watch uh, all the time. And so Jesus is using that idea, which would have made complete sense to them conceptually in the imagery. But we are not quite as agrarian as them and definitely not first, uh, like first century jewish folks right so um but they would have tracked right along with him and so to have that idea is really important um and so uh then there's some who sometimes this gets refuted and sometimes people think it's a real thing so i'll just say maybe this happened it makes the story even more endearing if it did sometimes when there wasn't a door or a gate the shepherd at night would lay across the entryway and make like a human gate so that anything that had to went in after them had to go through him, you know, that kind of thing. Maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't. Don't really know. Uh, not crucial to the story, but, but just having that idea in mind is really important. And some of these like shepherding sheep concepts, uh, we'll, we'll get into further next week when, uh, which is when he says, I am the good shepherd. That's what comes right after this. And so I'll save a few more of those things for the live stream. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Um, So just keep that in mind. But look at verse 7 when he goes back and kind of explains it some more. Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, or I am the gate of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life, and have it abundantly. All right, so that's a little, a little, like he's a little more straightforward in that in that part of it. So let's just go one verse at a time and see see a couple of the details here. Um, so verse seven, he says, "I'm the door of the sheep." And so, like I said, it could be door, could be gate. Uh, either way, um, throughout the Old Testament, Israel is referred to uh, like off and on as God's flock. And so he's constantly comparing them to, uh, to his, his sheep. And so he's using the shepherding thing throughout the Old Testament. Um, and so we studied you know Psalm 23 during our 30 days of prayer. And so we're fairly familiar with some of those things. But that was a real theme. And so for them to, to think of it, it would, they would have understood that it's the people of God are the sheep. That's what he's talking about. It's God's people. And apparently Jesus is telling them, I'm creating a new flock. A new flock where like these sheep are mine and they know my voice and they don't follow the voice of other people because they're strangers. They know my voice. They follow me. And when they follow me, they're able to go into uh, the green pastures and the quiet waters and they're able to come and go because they are mine. I know them, they know me, and they know my voice. And so he's creating a new flock. So think about it. He's, he's telling these Pharisees who think that they, that they are, like, the stuff, right, in terms of, like, they, they keep the law, they know all the, all the stuff, everyone else is just kind of a peasant, you know, that kind. Of, they really think that they're awesome. Um, and he's telling them, hey, you can think that all you want, and that's fine, but I'm doing something new in your midst. I'm creating a new flock. You're, you're real consumed with, with Israel and all the sheep and all this kind of stuff, but I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm creating a new people. What he doesn't know is that there are going to be Jews and Gentiles. There'll be, like, people from all over the world are going to be a part of this, and that would just have driven them crazy, but we'll get to that another day. Um, but he's basically saying to them, I'm starting a new flock, and they know my voice. And that's a very important thing to keep in mind because when he says that i am the door i'm the gate he's saying i'm the one you have to pass through in order to be uh, at home with this new flock like i'm i'm the gate you have to go through me to get into this pen to be a part of this new this new flock this new people of god uh, i am the key to that i'm the door so today you came here. We tried to prop open as many doors as we can, so that you wouldn't have to like touch as many door handles and stuff. Wasn't that thoughtful of us, right? But that door—that's a—that's a like you have to go through that to get into a room. You have to go through that in order to be a part of something. And he's saying, in order to be a part of this new flock that I'm creating, you have to you have to go through me. Now, there isn't you know in in the text there isn't a. Um, a place to put like bold, or like italics, or write of in all caps, except the word Lord sometimes. But he's also saying that I am I am the door. He doesn't say I'm one of the doors. I'm a door. I'm a gate. He says I'm the gate. That there is a uh, an exclusivity about him. He's like this is the only way in. It's through me um and this is this is not a unique place where he says this in john 14 6 which we'll talk about in a few weeks he says i'm the way and the truth the life no one comes to the father except through me no one comes through the father except through the gate through the door he's the one the one door acts four twelve. uh peter says it this way he says there and there's salvation in no one else for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So so the, Jesus is, is the one and only door. And we live in a world that doesn't really like that very much. Um, and it's been that way for a long time. Uh, culturally, we want to we we kind of want to like well let's just kind of like make all the religions like kind of the same you know there's a there's a bumper sticker that's been around for a while it says coexist and the c is a crescent moon for islam and the uh x is a is the star of david for judaism and the t is a cross for us and uh Trying to, that's kind of like this, and now there's like all kinds of additional symbols. If you have ever seen it, it's like, man, there's so much to decode in this one bumper sticker. It's amazing. Um, And the idea is that, no, all, all religions are kind of the, you know, they're pretty much the same. You know, they're all just kind of doing the same thing different ways. Um, until you actually study study those religions and none of them claims to be like the other one, you know? That's always like an outside source saying, oh, they're kind of the same because they want us to all get along. And we should all get along. There should be a dignity and a respect. Like we should be able to coexist, okay? That's like a true word. Um, we should be able to do that, um, but we cannot buy into this thing that's kind of trying to always be forced on us that we're all the same, you know? Individually, none of them would say that because that's not, what, that's not what our holy books say. That's not what our God says. Um, and so it's, it's not saying anything about negatively about anyone else, but Jesus is just saying, like, if you want to know what Christianity has to say, this is what Christianity has to say. Jesus says, I'm the door. If you want to come to the Father, if you want to be a part of this, this flock, you have to come through me. Now, anyone can come by grace, through faith, None of your own works. Anyone can come through there, so it's not exclusive in that way. Anyone can come, but there is just one gate. And so that's such an important, like metaphor, metaphorical identity thing for us to keep in mind that that Jesus is saying, "I'm the one." Um, there's enough of me to go around, but I'm the one. So I'm the gate of this new people of God. Look at verse eight. Um, says all who came before me are thieves and robbers but the sheep did not listen to them okay so he's talking to the pharisees and he's essentially saying you guys are the thieves and the robbers you're trying to rob god of his glory by making everything about yourselves and your own works and your own piousness and all that kind of stuff and he's saying and you know what the sheep kind of knew it the whole time like the like the the ones who are following me, they always were suspicious of religion, because all throughout the Old Testament, God is painting this picture of a of a personal God who loves his children and they love him, and He guides them forward, and so he's basically telling them, my sheep they've they, they always known something wasn't right, they just didn't know how to, how to articulate it, and now they know because when they hear my voice, they respond to it. When you hear the voice of God and you kind of, something kind of comes alive in you, that's what he's talking about. Um, and look at 9 and 10. It says, I, again, he says, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. What's Jesus's agenda to bring abundant life to people. That's his agenda. It's very clearly stated. That's why I came. Someone is trying to steal and kill and destroy all who are mine. And I have come to bring, to make them alive. There you go. That sum up the Bible. That's a pretty good way to do it right there. So look at, look at what what he says specifically. Uh, anyone enters by me is verse 9 he will be saved and will go in and out and and find pasture so with jesus as your door to go through him uh, that means that you'll be safe from all the threats all the things that are looking to steal from you and to kill you and to destroy you there's a safety and a protection that comes um, see because doors are doors are instruments of control you can at, at night you probably at some point before you go to bed you probably double check your doors to make sure they're locked if you don't you should probably do that that's a good it's a good bedtime close out routine because you want to control who's coming in and going out of your home and so those of you who are parents you're locking the door not only to keep people out but to keep your kids in right so it's, a, it's, it's an instrument of, of control. And so Jesus is saying, I'm the door for all of my sheep. So I control who comes in and who, uh, not only who comes in and becomes a, to try to be a sheep, but I control the predators. I control the, those who are trying to come and steal and kill and destroy, the wolves that are coming in to prey upon the flock. He says, I'm the one that's guarding them because I'm the gate. I haven't contracted that out to someone else. I'm the one that is controlling that. That you are safe. And so when when Jesus opens the gate and says, Come on, let's let's go out to pasture, let's go find the green grass and the quiet waters that Psalm twenty three talks about, you can know that it is safe to do those things. That when He leads you into what is best, He is the gate. If if there was something out there that was bad for you, He would keep the door closed. And so he's the one who's opening the gate and leading you into what's best. And he's also bringing you home afterwards and locking you in so that you are safe. So there's a a control that Jesus has, but not the the bad kind of control, not the kind that we want to buck against uh, and, and those kinds of things. This is the kind of control that actually helps you sleep peacefully right all the parents you want your kids to sleep peacefully at night and a part of what helps them do that is is knowing that that they were put to bed and that that there are mom dad grandparents whoever is like basically watching over them remember when when remember when you were a kid and maybe like one of your parents was away on some trip or something like that and it was just weird to know that like like they weren't there Jesus is telling them, hey, I'm, I'm the gate. I'm controlling those things. And that can get a little, a little tricky sometimes because, uh, because at first you hear that and you're like, yeah, he's keeping all the bad stuff from coming at me. And you're like, except for the fact that bad stuff still gets to me, <laughs> right? I'd love to be able to tell you, hey, he's at the gate and he's keeping cancer away. But he's not, is he? Brett, Jan, Is he? But two, two survivors right here who are like, yeah, Jesus is, is our gate and he let cancer come in our lives, you know, that we have all these things, all these, I didn't mean to sing, you uh, actually I did, but thanks for that. Um, we have all these examples of like, yeah, but then there's stuff that's still trying to steal from us and kill us and destroy us. Like, isn't, don't we still have an enemy? Don't we still have brokenness? Don't we still have all that? And we, Yeah, we do. And I need to jump back to last week just for a minute because um, we talked about when, when Jesus' use of the word life and how he's not talking about, um, he's not talking about, well, he's talking about a very specific kind of life in this verse. And so bear with me if you were like, I know all this because I learned, I, I know all, all the things. Uh, in the New Testament, they use different words for life. And sometimes they're referring to physical life like your, your body, your physical body. Um, sometimes it's talking about the life of the mind, your thoughts, your emotions, your logic, your will. Um, and then there's a third kind that is the, the uncreated eternal life of God. It's called Zoe. And so when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, uh, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life, he said when you follow him, you go from like you are physically alive and you are mentally alive. And then, but then you become like alive in that zoe sense that you become uh, eternally alive with the, the divine life of God. That's what he that's what he's bringing. And so that's what he's saying here. He says there are things that are trying to steal from you and kill you and destroy you. And I've come to bring you zoe. So the things that are stealing and killing and destroying, they're going after our physical lives. They're going after our mental lives. But those things, hear me, cannot touch Zoe. They can. not So yeah, you might get cancer. Yeah, you might get a number of, of illnesses. You might get the coronavirus. Coronavirus cannot get to the life he's talking about here. The life of the mind you might be in wonderful physical health all the way for, for years and years and years and years, but maybe your mind starts to slip. We live in that world of, of Alzheimer's and dementia, and there's all these, just such a painful thing to watch people go through. I can't get to Zoe, though. So yeah, you have, you have things that are coming after you to try to steal from you and kill you and destroy you. And Jesus says, I, but I've come to make you alive in a way that those things can never touch. And I'm, I'm the gate of that. The only way f- to that is through me and what I have for you. The only way to be alive in that sense is to come into the, this new flock that I'm creating, that I'm inviting everyone to be a part of by grace through faith. Not of your own works, so don't get all boastful, it's by believing that Jesus really is the gate into the people of God, that he is the one that will bring Zoe to you. So yeah, the agenda of God is very clear. You have, you have threats that want to destroy you, and now you have a Savior who wants you to be truly, truly alive forever. One of the cool things to think about is that, so Jesus is the gate, the door, the entryway into the people of God, but he's also your door every day. He is, he is releasing you and bringing you back in. You're going out and you're coming in all the time under that watchful care. And so not only is he the gate in salvation, he's the gate in sanctification every day, learning more and more to walk in the holiness and the righteousness that he has for you, learning what true green grass is and to not settle for the dead uh, stuff, learning what what true, still, quiet, clean waters are and not settling for the polluted things. Every day he's your gate. Every day he's our door. When he says... I've come to give you Zoe, Uh, I've I've come to give you life um, and for it to be abundant. That God, he he wants us to to thrive, you know. Physical life is hard enough, mental life is hard enough, but Zoe, like this this is something that, that is not supposed to just kind of be another way that we're alive. It says, no, the life of God flowing into you the life of God being, being a part of who you are, uh, that's what I want. And so what is the life of God? It is a life of uh, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, a.k.a. the fruit of the Spirit. Because that's who God is. And so he wants you to be peaceful. He wants you to be full of joy. He wants you to be gentle. But he wants us to learn to be those things. He wants—he's made us that who, part of our identity. He wants that to be un, unleashed. And so, day by day, he's the—he's the gatekeeper. He's the—the the door that we go through. He's the one saying it's time to do this. It's time to do this. It's time to come back into this. It's time to read this. It's time to pray this. It's time to sing this. It's time to sit in silence here. It's time to fast from this. It's time to uh, celebrate this. It's time to you know, blah blah blah. That's what he does for us. And so that life of God is right now in the midst of anything that you're facing. Because, you know, there's there's coronavirus, there's all that, and then there's like all the other stuff in life that's going on, you know? Because life didn't just stop. I mean, some of us were at a funeral yesterday, you know? And it's not like you, you can't call off the funerals because of this. Like, so there's all the n- normal things of life that are going on, and there's this whole other thing. And the whole time, Jesus is the bread of life. And the whole time, Jesus is the light in that darkness. And the whole time, Jesus is our door. He's our gate. Right now, no matter what we're facing, and that will be the case for us forever, that there will come a point Where that, those, his activity won't be behind that veil and kind of hard to detect, where we will just be free finally. Until then, know that this is who stands watch over you, that that is who is is watching over your coming and your going. And if we will just listen to him and let him be the good shepherd, um, we will, will not regret it at all. Let me pray for us. Jesus, uh, what a gift to us. You know, this this interaction with the Pharisees that uh, confused them at first, and then now here we are all these years later recognizing that you've invited us into this new flock that you were creating right there in front of them. They didn't know it, but you knew it. And you've invited us in through you by grace through faith in you we enter into that flock and that you are in this very moment our gate that you are controlling the things that are are coming in and out of our lives and uh, even the painful things and the difficult things you're standing there and you're guaranteeing that those things cannot truly harm us they can hurt us, they can, bring, they can bring pain, they can do those things, they can hurt our physical lives, they can hurt our mental, psychological lives, but they cannot get to who we really are because you are the door that is making sure that that cannot happen. And so in that sense, bring on whatever, whatever life has for us. We need to be confident, not in our own awesomeness, but in the awesomeness of the door and who is making sure that our souls remain restored and intact and nothing can truly harm us. And that's easy, easy to preach, sometimes hard to apply. Um, and so I ask that you just help us to do that. Help us to, to bring this into our own personal context, our own family context, and to walk in the beauty of it. We love you and we thank you. And I pray this in your name, Amen. Amen. Okay, so normally right now I would say walk you through the normal responses, but um, we can still pray and we can still sing, but we're not going to serve communion, um, and that is a part of you know part of us just trying to help flatten the curve. But Jesus is okay with it, uh, and so as we sing and we pray, let's just respond to the things He's stirring in us. Um, just the, this idea that this is who he is to you and, I, and to us. Let's stand together and let's sing in response.